Hi guys, this is Black Chicklet, and we're back. You just said you weren't going to say you're back, and I was thinking to myself, Molly, don't say you're back because Danielle doesn't like it. And then what do you do? You automatically say we're back. So I just don't even know what to feel anymore. It was kind of a habit. I didn't mean to, but we're here. How about that? We're, we're here. here. We read some books, and we're gonna, we read a book, and we're going to talk about it. Before that, though, let's just check in. How have yeah. you been? Um, I've been pretty busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did notice that um, uh, and we could edit this out if you feel uncomfortable, but I saw that you went to another person named Molly's wedding recently. Yes, I did. And a couple people from the podcast like were commenting like, oh, congratulations. That wasn't me. <laughs> I, knew, I was person. I was wondering if they're like I'm like this is a different Molly what right <laughs> Molly with the Y's how I refer to her yeah yeah but who's so. ever seen my name spelled out so that's also true. <laughs> yeah Molly on the podcast is Molly with an I E yeah because she likes to be special uh you know what because my grandma was, it's a whole thing it's a whole thing <laughs> with her actual real life name them thinking that I was gonna be a boy me finding out after her death her real name and on and on but yes so no molly did not get married last weekend (laughs) no i did not i get married in 45 days oh my gosh you know what i need to get that dress hemmed (laughs) like you're saying that (laughs) like really danielle you gotta get on it but uh i came out to la to see molly we posted a photo of us together going out made me realize i should come back out so we could do like some bot podcast like stuff just for the pot like take some photos maybe record something because that would be fun that would be fun yeah. yeah we said we wanted to but like it was just so busy the whole weekend so it was it was kind of just wild. got and then uh frank was in the hospital right beforehand and then all this stuff at work so it was it was a busy busy may <laughs> we were we were packed so we, we did packed. watch the royal wedding we did we got up really early um the maid of honor made scones we watched the royal scones. wedding they were very tasty um megan markle is my scammer hero <laughs> you ruined like every time i see her i'm like scammer and like everyone's like why i'm like you have to hear molly's explanation she just- i mean look at her i i'm rooting for her i don't think scammer is a is a negative term necessarily but if you can't tell me that you know being black in that seat like yes i am marrying this prince is not the biggest scam like yes bitches yes you're gonna see me sitting here every time you get up i'll be there every time you come here i'll be there why can't she just be a hustler why can't she just have some hustle because i feel like hustler has a different connotation Hustler, I see people in the 70s, you know, out there with the big pimp hats and stuff. Oh, my gosh. But yes, yeah, so we watched that, judged everyone's fashion, kept, mm-hmm. we were still stumped. To this day, I remain stumped how Serena got in that chamber while You Elton know what? <laughs> they grew up together. I looked it up. <gasps> they did? They were friends when they were kids. Oh, my God. That's the real story here, because I had right? no idea that Serena and Meghan Merkle, not Serena and Prince Harry, I'm assuming, because that would be a wild story. <laughs> I mean, I love Serena, but she's always like hanging out with people like, how did she get with the Reddit man whose name I still do not know? It's like Reddit. No. Okay. The question is Reddit man. How did you get with Serena? That is. Yeah. His name is some variation of Alex. It's like Alexis, Alexia, Olympia, something. Yeah. They have a cute baby. They do have a cute baby. But yeah, so we watched that. 
and then we had fun. And the next day I got lost for seven hours in the U.S. airspace because Delta cannot land, a pl- take off a plane on time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it ruined the high. Well, it didn't ruin, but I angrily tweeted them all weekend. I saw. I, it was, I, I was supposed to do L.A., Minneapolis, St. Louis. I had to do L.A., Minneapolis, Atlanta, St. Louis. It added yeah, four no hours. And then, no sense. and then because of their their hijinks and their uh, tomfoolery, I almost missed that last flight from Atlanta to St. Louis. So they were oh going to divert me to LaGuardia. To <laughs> what? <laughs> like, because they had a boarding pass for me and everything. I saw it in my app. And uh, I was like, no. no. It's like, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I would have gone coast to coast just trying to get home. Just trying to get home. Just trying to get to St. Louis. St. Louis is not worth all that. Never travel that long to get to St. Louis. I don't care where you're from. But yeah, so then we do that. I'm considering like in two days, by the time you hear this, I should Mm -hmm. be in Spain. Right. Which, okay, can I just say that now I've heard you say it several times, but you are so nonchalant. You're just like, I'm going to Spain. Bear. I, and every time I'm like, what the hell? What you, like, you're just so chill about it. You're like, I'm going to Spain. Because I kind of feel like it won't be real until, like, the plane touches down. And I'm going to be like, well, I guess I actually did. <laughs> like, Megan in that crown. She's like, right? I don't know She's how like, I, I did pulled it, it off, but I did it. So that's going to be me. I'm going for work. Um, mm-hmm. It's part of, um, I'm supposed to be training a group of people there. And I was explaining to Molly that I did the work. And totally forgot I'm supposed to be training them. So I now have like two days to throw together like my entire training training presentation. Yeah. Yeah. You just did it. You sat back, you dusted your hands. You're like, oh, I'm good. (laughs) And then I was like, like, oh, wait, yeah. I'm going to teach these people stuff. Yeah. To teach them. What city are you going to be in? Madrid. Madrid. Yeah. Fancy. Get a a chocolate covered waffle. That was weird. My mom's gone now. But uh, yeah, so that's what's happening in our lives. I don't think anything else has happened. Um, I, I think, think that's so. it. It's just summer. It's hot. Oh, it's summer. It's hot. It's hot there. It's yes. cold here. June oh. gloom. What, well, what's LA cold? I need you to use a temperature. Mm, like in the 50s. I guess it is kind of chilly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I took a swimsuit with me when I visited you recently. Hey. I was like, we may go to a beach. I want to be prepared. Be ready. Yes. So you don't have to get ready. <laughs> That's a good saying. We really need to work on those stickers. Like, Me we need too. a sticker pack. The Black Chick so sticker pack. I love um, it. But, okay, I think that's cool. Um, do we, I've got this on the list. I've got the introduction of the novel and then our news, but I feel like we should do our news first. Yeah, I think so. Um, so I just touched this because all the book bloggers and booktubers are talking about it. BookCon is going on. We ain't there. Nah. But I hope y'all are having fun. I hope all y'all are having fun at BookCon, which I just learned from my good friend Danielle is going on. <laughs> it's basically, I guess it's like, they have two. There's one for like the official booksellers, and I think that's BEA Book Expo. Um, and then they have like, for consumers, it's BookCon, and it's more like reader focused. I see. Yeah. So, I don't know. It seems it seems very YA heavy, so I'm cool. <laughs> I'm like, why is this still happening? Um, and then other news was they revealed Michelle Obama's cover for her yes. upcoming biography, memoir. I don't really know what the difference is. I don't know what it is. I love <laughs> it. It was gorgeous. She looks great. I was like, you're looking good, Michelle. 
you look like you have no more fucks to give and you're just out here living your Oprah approved best life, which I love. Getting Netflix deals. Getting Netflix deals. Just out here just laughing. Just turning on the news and just laughing. Saying she's never going to be president, so. Hell no. (laughs) So, and I don't blame her. Yeah, they call it a memoir. So I guess it's a memoir. The difference between a memoir and autobiography, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe one is a marketing term. I don't know. Maybe. I I don't have either, so. <laughs> uh, my life is not interesting enough for either. That's also true. Now, and what the, is the second thing here? <laughs> have you heard of, this is kind of old, but I wanted to get your opinion because it involves the law. And I just like asking you law things. Right. Of uh, hashtag cocky gate. No, what is it? So basically, this author in the romance world, she's an indie author, mm-hmm. decided to trademark the word cocky. So that if any, and then she tra- she trademarked it, and then she sent cease and desist letters to any other author, even if their books were published before hers, whose books were titled, whose title had the word cocky. She sent them a cease and desist. Yes. Yeah, so um, that <laughs> is not how trademarks work, and is a really good way to get a malicious prosecution. <laughs> like, it's a really good way to get like a harassment charge against you. It's that's just. I guess I did see this, like people keep kept saying like a trademark is not a brand on Twitter. And I was like, but a trademark is a brand. So that confused me a little bit. But no, that's 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 not how how trademarks work. Like, it's, yeah. it's not it's not sorry, especially for cock for cocky. For like, romance, like, there's no like, way. Yeah, it's like saying you're a sci-fi author and you're going to sue anyone who has, like, the word space in their title. Like, it yeah, just you sort of comes with the territory. You literally, so the, 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 and I'm sorry, trademark was, like, one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> well, that was why you, like, wanted to get into law school, right? You wanted to do, yeah, like, intellectual IP, property. Yeah. Um, and I, I just found it very interesting intellectually and, like, there's no jobs in it like whoever helped her file this stole her money because (laughs) this is not something that you can do like the point of a trademark is to protect to protect consumers against confusion confusion so that's her argument which is that that is true so if you go to the store and you see the apple logo on a box and you buy it you buy it for like two grand you take it home and you open it and it's a bunch of like remote controls stapled (laughs) together like that is to protect you from confusing something that Bobby Joe down the street hobbled together in his garage and is passing off as a real thing. That's her protection. She tweeted, I received letters from readers who lost money thinking they bought my series. I'm protecting them. And that's what trademarks are meant for. Which is true. However. <laughs> I love how I could hear every syllable of that. However, right. Every syllable. The point is a trademark gives you limited protections to use a mark or a word or a color in like a very specific way. So I think like when when T-Mobile tried to trademark the color pink, it wasn't that they were saying, I want no one else to be able to use pink. They were saying, I don't want Sprint or whoever else, AT&T to use this color pink and any of their merchandising or cricket or something like that, or, you know, Billy Bob's photo emporium <laughs> to use this color, this shade of pink in such a way that someone might think that it was mine. Now, you have to show that you are using it, that um, 
no one else is really using that mark color image whatever and that um people are associating that that mark with your brand so that's where she she falls like coming out of the gate because if you if you hear the word cock cocky it's all over it's like trying to trademark mound or something or (laughs) heaving bosom or something in romance it's like no one hears cocky or heaving bosom or whatever and thinks oh this must be that girl nobody thinks that sorry nobody thinks it well to make it worse she applied for the trademark like well after she already wrote her series and then she which is that's fine that's fine well but then she it wasn't the original series of the the original original title of the series she applied for the trademark and then changed the title of her series to match the trademark oh no that's fraud no you can't do that and then she no she was just really trying to I feel like make some money off of some other people because it's like if like the cease and desist, like they do that because it's the only way to tr- protect your trademark because trademark law is more loosey goosey than copyright, which Disney is expanding into like perpetuity. Um, if you if your mark becomes so generic that um, right. people don't associate it with you anymore, then you lose your trademark. I think it happened to aspirin. I think it happened to escalator. Like I know those Xerox are, and Kleenex are really... Xerox, Kleenex. Yeah. Those are brand names that, you know, they got so big and people associated that thing with them so much that the courts went back and said, oh, well, it, it, it isn't serving the purpose of consumer protection anymore. So, Sorry. So if she, I can see now that her cocky series, I can kind of see where she was going. But with, with, you know, male genitalia (laughs) in the, um, in the romance sector, like that to me just doesn't, doesn't say anyone in particular. Like that doesn't make me think of this person Um, going after people who had published before you. Um, like why girl? Like what's, that's what, what the I hell find, is the point of that? That's what I find kind of audacious. Like, because it, it's showing that you have failed in the very first requirement of a trademark that no one else is using that mark. So you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot doing that. So yeah, so she, had, so one author came back because apparently she was also, um, oh my gosh, the word just left me. Um, whatever. She was going after more authors of color. What's the word? Um, in order, no whatever she was going after more authors of color or so they say i don't have any hard numbers and so one writer retitled one of her books which was originally titled the cocky cowboy to the cockiest cowboy to have ever cocked and so i think she was um, all sales of the book they were donating it to this like fun that was going to help people who had to they had like because some people lost sales because amazon it triggered something in Amazon. And so they removed their listing saying this really? was uh, in violation of copyright and they couldn't sell their own books. So it was wild. Beverly Jenkins was like going off. It was so great. She was like, if you can't write a book or if like, if you're not creative enough or whatever to write a book and you have to do this to make a name for yourself, well then you're not a real, I don't know. She was doing it a lot more eloquently, but it was just funny. I love it when she goes after people. Right. Because it's like, <laughs> it's just really funny. So that was our mini law lecture. Molly, I love it. Like you got real professional. I'll tell you, I really found trademark interesting, even though it is so boring. (laughs) Well, because I remember that's like I think you originally wanted to do copyright law, and then you said like there are no jobs. So no, there's jobs in copyright. Oh, there's no jobs in trademark. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
I forget they're two separate things. I took a class and I'm like, yeah, I'm not a lawyer. I don't care. Uh, um, yeah. Jobs sort and of patent like, too. Sort of like my accounting class. It was the same thing. It's like, <laughs> if you have me doing any of this, you're already in trouble. If I am your accountant, you've already messed up. It's like, so. oh, girl. Yes. You better get ready for an audit. <laughs> Look, Beth, I'll send you to H&R Block. <laughs> Let them take care of you. So... I think now that was fun. We're ready to dig into our book. Yes. We promised y'all a while back, but mm-hmm. I'm really excited about this one. I think we mentioned like at the beginning of last, at the beginning of the year that this was one we really wanted to do. Uh-huh, because a couple people actually, actually a f- quite a few people said that, oh, we want you to read this one. We want you to read this one. And so. Yeah. I think we asked what upcoming release are you most excited about? And there were a few people who mentioned this one. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we, we read Whiskey and Ribbons mm-hmm. by Lisa Cross Smith. Mm -hmm. Um, This is her debut novel. I know she's written short stories and she has a collection that was published in 2014 titled Every Kiss a War. Mm -hmm. And I also have in our notes that she's adorable AF. She just looks- She is so cute. (laughs) She looks so happy. Her about page, y'all, is like- It's so cute. The greatest thing I've ever read. It's literally like just a list of things she likes. (laughs) It's like being a Hufflepuff, (laughs) haberdashery, um, like, it's a really long list, and I kind of love it. Have Pulled... you looked up Whiskey and Ribbons on Goodreads? Oh, I not recently. Oh, you she did look... leave her own. She left her own comment, and she's like, I love this book because I wrote it. I almost died reading that. <laughs> I mean, I would do the same thing. I would, too. Like, she just has so much pride. And I know that she said she, like, started this as a short story and then put it away and you know, focus on having her kids, raising her family. And then she like came back to it and put it out there and it's just doing really, really well. So, I mean, she has a lot to be proud of. Yeah. Um, she's, she said she started writing it in 2001. So yeah. this book is almost a legal adult. Like, right. I think cause she said that she killed off her, like she, when she killed off Eamon, she just kind of sat there like, I'm salty now, which, okay. So I have been writing a lot this year and Yay. I, killed off one of my main characters and I just kind of like I couldn't write for a week after I was like I'm mad at everybody (laughs) I I know I always say like I really want works to be realistic and like to have realistic consequences and for like characters to die but every time that happens but I don't mean it I know every time that happens I stop I stop watching it or (laughs) refuse to go back right I was like I don't need this kind of stress in my life so so I guess that was a spoiler um (laughs) Not really, considering the first sentence describes how one of the characters dies. That's true. So, yes. So, we're going to get into it. Um, I'll read a synopsis. Typical disclaimers. One, spoilers all around. Yeah. Um, and two, this, of course, is just a very brief synopsis. We're going to get into it some more. This can't include everything, but we're going to try. So, um, this one's different because I had to write three separate mini synopsis. So... Um, Whiskey and Ribbons follows three connected characters at three different points of their lives. So first we meet Evangeline, who is snowed in in her home with her brother-in-law six months after the death of her husband, Eamon, in the, who was shot in the line of duty. The two have become extremely close since Eamon's death. Dalton has stayed with Evangeline as she mourns her husband, watching over her and her son, Noah. They flirt, kiss back and forth, and with everything, and when everything comes to a head, they admit that they both like they both would like to try and make a relationship between them work. Um, so second, the second voice we have is Eamon. Eamon's story covers a bigger 
bigger gap of time than Evangeline's. It spans from the moment he meets Evangeline to the point of his death. He falls for Evangeline very quickly and the two are soon married and expecting their first child. As Evangeline's due date nears, Amon makes the decision to leave the police force to ensure that he'll be around to care for his wife and son. And then finally, we have Dalton. So Dalton's story parallels Eamon, so it takes place around the same period of time. But as Eamon builds his new family, Dalton struggles to learn the truth of his old family, of his own family, and deal with his on-again, off-again girlfriend, Frances. During an annual camping trip, Dalton learns that Eamon, who he's long considered a blood brother, is his actual brother, and Eamon's father, who he had long admired for stepping in when his own supposed biological father left, is, is actually his biological father. Mm-hmm. So, and then the story's then Dalton's and Evangeline's stories sort of merge at the end. Yeah. So that's it. And there's a lot. And I think the big spoiler, the big moment of the book, the death isn't the big moment of the book because the first, I believe the first line of the book is literally something like, my husband was shot while I lay pregnant with our first child. Or yeah, I think it's on the child. back cover. Yes, it's also <laughs> you know, on the back it's, cover. It's what this book is about. But um, the big, I think, reveal is the fact that Dalton and Eamon, who had had this very close relationship as boys and growing up, are in fact real brothers and they share a father. Yeah, I I didn't see that coming. Did you? I didn't at all. No, not at all. And it's like such a subtle scene. Like they don't ever really, when they first, when it happens, they don't really come out and say it. His dad just gives him a look like, yep. He's like, yep, you my boy. (laughs) And it's like, because it's kind of, it took me a moment to sort of figure out everyone's relationships. Yeah. So um, Dalton's mother, Penelope, and I forgot his, I forgot the adopted, his stepmother, I guess. I forgot his stepmother's name, but they were friends. Right. And then Penelope killed herself. Right. Because she'd suffered a lot from depression. And so they took Dalton in. Right. But really, he was just taking care of his own. Right. It's wild. <laughs> so, um, so let's get into it. What did you think of Whiskey and Ribbons? I really liked it. It was very um, kind of slower paced, kind of more of that kind of dreamy, thoughtful kind of tone. Um, But I I like the characters a lot, um, except for Frances. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you like Frances? (laughs) I felt like she was a racist. I kind of did too. (laughs) They never say it straight out, but she's like really like condescending to Evangeline. Evangeline and um, Eamon, because they're like drivers. At one point, she's like, you know, Eamon's not my type. I was like, what's what's wrong with Eamon? She does say that. And I'm like, you got to explain that. Right. Which confused me for a long time, because at first I thought Dalton was black. Then I thought Dalton was white. Then you find out that he's mixed. I'm like, oh, okay. So you just don't. You got some colorism. I don't know. I don't know what what her problem was. She was kind of iffy. And then like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It was just weird, but I'm glad you got that vibe too, because I was like, but then it was like, well, she's with Dalton, but maybe it is more of a colorism thing, like you said. Yeah. So um, I thought it was cool. I read this and listened to it on Audible. I think we discussed this on Twitter. I really enjoyed Evangeline's narration, mm-hmm. and Dalton's was okay. I cannot stand Eamon's narration. Like, <laughs> see, you flipped that right around for me. <laughs> Liked Eamon's, Dalton's was fine. Evangeline, like I felt like the tempo, like she would go like da 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 like over and over again. Like she kept rising at the end of her sentences, and I had no idea why she was doing that. Like I liked her voice a lot, but something about the the rhythm of the way she was talking 
confused me. That's why I like, I thought she was kind of like, so this was the one, hers was the only one I listened to on like the actual like one speed because I felt like the very (laughs) slow, like way she spoke actually kind of fit the mood of her chapters of like, oh, we're snowed in. Uh It's kind of a slow, lazy thing. My problem with Eamon was he like kept putting, it's not the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable, but he kept ending, putting weird inflections on things. Like that's true. That's there'd true. There'd be points that I thought were like really powerful sentences. Oh, I wish I, I got to find one. And he would just read it like he's trying to be dramatic, like a first grader reading it. Like, <laughs> oh my God, everything went awry. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, that's not how you read that sentence. And like the ending where he's like in that moment where he dies, like uh-huh. that should have been really powerful. I had to turn it off. Because I'm like, I can't let this narrator ruin this moment for me. And I read it. Because I'm like, I'll do a better job at, at getting this. I see. Up, Alexa. Um, Dalton. So, yeah, Dalton was very much like, he, I, I, you know what? Maybe I like Dalton's best. Because he kind of seemed like he was like in space for most of it. And I feel like that was just how that character was. Like, I feel like he just did not know what was going on around him half the time. Well, to be fair, he he really did he really did there was this really weird like line not weird but there was this really i thought really good um string of line where he comes and he's like he's nobody's kid because he's trying to find his biological father and then he learns that the man he thought was his biological father steve he learns that steve isn't really his biological father and so then he's sort of this is before he learns that um calvin that's the mm-hmm. nun. This is before he learns that Calvin, Eamon's dad, is also his dad. So he's like, I'm nobody's kid. And so he's sort of lost and adrift. He's just kind of a lost character. He bounces between girlfriends, it seems mm-hmm. like. He doesn't know what's going on. He needs he needs to chill. Like, there's one scene in the book where, like, after he learns who his dad is and he, like, runs off to a hotel mm-hmm. and just, like, hangs out. Yeah. They are hanging out a lot, which I enjoyed. <laughs> Because I'm tired of all these books that are like, Molly, go out there and skydive. Molly, go out there and solve a mystery. I'm like, sometimes I just want to hang out, you know? Yeah. It's a very, I think it's kind of, and this might be stereotypical, but I feel like because it's a book that takes place in the South, it's just kind of languid. Languid and slow. And it's like kind of like whiskey. Like it really fits. It's like, yeah. yeah. I liked it a lot. I like like the tone of it, the pace of it. Um, It takes place in Kentucky. Yeah, and I kept forgetting that. Like, yeah. I don't think this is a, like, I can't think of any other time I've read a book that takes place in Kentucky, much less with black characters yeah. in Kentucky. We, the only piece of pop culture that I've ever experienced about Kentucky was Justified. And I am so sorry if anyone lives in Kentucky for what I'm about to say, but that did not make me want to go to Kentucky. I don't even know what that is. Oh, it's very good. I think you'd like it. It's, is it a documentary or a TV show? It's a TV show, kind of like a Law and Ordery, about this this guy who's a marshal, federal marshal down in Kentucky. It's it's very um, interesting. Like his best friend becomes like a white nationalist. Well, his his um, associate becomes a white nationalist. Um, it kind of starting just you describing it sounds like bluebird bluebird a little bit yeah a little bit if if um the guy what was the guy in bluebird bluebird's name if that guy was just (laughs) so (laughs) cocky and just like so mean-spirited and also always well maybe he always did wear a hat but (laughs) also always wore a hat i feel like everyone in texas always wears a hat 
Um, I want, I like this too. And I think part of it is because I have in my notes, I really like stories told in threes. Like I like, <laughs> that's really shallow. I like triptychs. Like one of my favorite episodes of uh, Welcome to Night Vale is an episode titled Triptych and it takes place in uh, three. I think it's the past, the present and the future. And like three is the magic number. I just thought it was really neat. She repeats everyone's voice um, in the same order. So it's always Evangeline, Eamon, Dalton as we move forward in the story. And I just think she does a really good job at sort of keeping things organized and like playing off of the chapters and the voices and you might learn something in one that comes up later or, um, you know, get a bit of explanation that won't make sense until later, you know, like that. Um, They seem like real people who really knew each other. Yeah, I was going to say, it could have been really easy for Eamon and Dalton to sound exactly alike. Mm-hmm. So not to hate on another one, but one book I read was, we can get into this, was Children in Blood of Bone. Mm-hmm. And they switch point of view. I think there's like five different points of view in that book, but some of them just sound the same. Yeah. Like they they observe things from different angles, but the character feels exactly the same. And I think, especially as you said, Dalton's kind of lost. Eamon is sort of, he knows what he wants and mm-hmm. he's sort of working to get it. And it just makes him a not stronger, a more sure character. They're both pretty strong characters. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find... Ah! Wait a minute. I thought I had found the part where they reveal that... Uh, Calvin's his dad. Yes, because it's done really... You know what? If I were smart, and if I were a better podcaster, I would have bookmarked it. You know, but... we all can aspire <laughs> to greatness. <laughs> but I did not. I think I found... Because it's so subtle. I'm like, I could be skipping it. Um, this is why we didn't win that um, black podcaster because <laughs> we don't use bookmarks. You know what? There's always next year. I forgot That's about true. that. Yeah, I did too. And then they sent me an email. I was like, "Why is Spotify?" <laughs> like, sorry. Um, because it's like so they're at. We don't have to get to this now, but I just thought it was a really strong moment. They're at the camping. They have this annual camping trip with. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to use names because I realized I've used relations. There's Eamon, mm-hmm. Eamon's dad, Calvin, mm-hmm. and Dalton. Mm-hmm. And Calvin and Eamon are sitting at the table. And Dalton has just had this really weird conversation with the guy he thought was his biological father named Steve, where he's like, he says like, well, if I were your father, I was never sure if I was your father. Mm-hmm. And like, so that gets him thinking. And so we don't learn that he never so the scene i found it so the scene where we learn like he never comes out and says calvin never comes out and says i'm his father it's something here it is it's like something about how my dad looked over at me something about how the lights above us seemed to flicker something about how i could smell uncle james's cigarette through the slip of open window and how the cool air ribboned its way into their cozy warmed kitchen something about how my father's face turned down at that moment the same way dalton's face had turned down when he was talking about steve boone the week before at the bar suddenly after all this time i knew and like that's it yeah. and even in the prose they don't come out and say it like he's his daddy so i thought that was really good yeah i thought it was really good really well winter but seriously calvin that's a <laughs> shitty thing to do just it tell is, that boy it is and then Eamon has to keep it a secret from dalton for like two weeks because he wants calvin to be the one to tell him right so so i'm just i'm just putting it out there Father of the year, Calvin. <laughs> Way to go. Calvin's A-plus parenting skills. And then they all agree to keep it a secret from um, Loretta, which yeah, is Eamon's which is mom. 
fucked up. Could you imagine like all the many like this big secret and everyone just agrees to like I would feel like an idiot because it's gonna come out right it, it'll absolutely come out because then at the end um Evangeline's all like uh, oh you know I'm imagining us all here together and you know everything that she's imagining everyone's together everyone's together I kept thinking like mm. <laughs> hmm well, and I guess I was about to say, but then he does die. Eamon does say before he dies, like, there'll be no more secrets with his family. When Noah's old enough, Noah's the their son. He's going to tell him. And I'm like, so you're just going to keep telling people, but not <laughs> tell your mother? But not tell your mother, right? <laughs> like kind of like, yo, ma, guess what? <laughs> look, look at there, Dalton. That's my brother. Look at that nose. Does that nose look familiar? I'll be like, you knew. I knew. Shit, Calvin knew. It's it's just really it's wild and I just love how it came. I didn't expect that at all. It came I out of nowhere. It. So and it's like you think about it, it's kind of the Scooby Doo principle. Like there are only so many characters in this book, and it's like you kind of know that you're gonna find out who Dalton's father is, oh. and then you turn around and it's like, oh, 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 yeah. And which I think is the best kind of surprise because it's like it's all right there. When you think back, it's like, oh fuck, yeah, that does make sense, doesn't it? I wasn't expecting it at all. Like, I didn't know we'd go there at all. I thought his big conflict would be, like, whether or not to marry Frances. Like, because there's a little freak out when Frances says she's pregnant. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm like, is that going to be his storyline? So is on a girl. Frances was just so, such, what is it? A non-motherfucking factor. I was <laughs> like, I'm so tired of you, Frances. Yeah. Because, like, he wants what Eamon and Evangeline has. Right. But... But he, he can't Francis. get there. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know with who. He is totally lost. Yeah. Because when Francis reveals she's pregnant, he like kind of panics. He's like, yeah. I don't, he doesn't want a baby with her. Yeah. And then I think he sort of talks himself into it. Like, well, if she doesn't get the abortion, I'll go with it. <laughs> Which is He's very much like, oh, you know, one way or the other. He's like, I'm over here. You know where I live. Yeah. So, and then... Who's the other chick? Cassidy. Cassidy. Francis goes back to Arizona, I think. And then Cassidy starts showing up. Yeah. He likes Cassidy, but he doesn't like her as much as he likes Evangeline. Right. And she's the one who works at the bike shop. And she's like a quarter this and a quarter that and a quarter that. Right. That one. I think so. She has some background. And yeah, she does work at the bike shop. I don't remember her background, but yeah, she does work at the bike shop. She's a customer at first. But then she sort of likes it and she takes training classes and then he hires her. Yeah. So then she hangs around and she really, really, she is not shy about her uh, attraction to Dalton. So. Right. Like she seems like a very good character. Like she's just very yeah. open and he, and he opens up around her too. So it's kind of like, you know, just, just be honest with this girl, Dalton. Like just say you want to get with your, uh, your fake real sister-in-law. So, you know. Who's going to be mad about it? You got the same daddy. So that's, that's you know, eliminating one one person who might one be mad. <laughs> I want to talk about that. What do you think about, because in the end, like, it's, I don't know what, it's a literary term I've never seen before. Dado, D-A-D-O. Mm-hmm. And it's um like this, the birth, it's a birth announcement of Evangeline and Dalton's daughter. So they, clearly they get together. Yeah. Do you think, do you think it's weird that she marries her brother-in-law do you think they had a thing before i kind of think that they did i kind of think that he was always kind of chasing after what um Eamon had like the family the mm-hmm. assuredness like 
like knowing his place in the world. And even when like I'm thinking of that scene where they're playing like strip poker, like even the way right that he's talking about and describing Evangeline, like compared to Francis, like it's not in a sexual or desired way, but it's in this way that's like. I don't know that he just that he that that was right, that that was the kind of person he should be with, that that was the kind of relationship he should have. So I don't know if it was beforehand like a sexual or attraction thing, but I think it was like he felt like he should be with a person just like Evangeline. So when the opportunity, sadly, came up, he was like, yes, this makes sense. Like, it makes sense that I would... um do this because I've always wanted to be in this kind of relationship. Yeah. I think I agree with your read of it. He never, I don't think he was attracted to her at the beginning, but I think he was attracted to like that, the life that Eamon had built for himself. He had a wife, he had a baby coming, right. he had this house. There's this whole scene about how Eamon is painting the rooms of the nurse, the color, the walls of the nursery. I think it was electric pickle juice. <laughs> which was uh, funny and it's sort of like he's building this up while Dalton felt kind of lost and yeah. and I think but I guess his they have these this weird fight like throughout the whole thing it's just she keeps asking him like so who have you slept with last <laughs> like, oh yeah and so like there's this weird tension and she doesn't want to be jealous and I don't think she even wants to um be so dependent on him but she is yeah yeah, so. I guess I don't know. I now that I think about it from so I thought about it mostly from Dalton's perspective, like it would be weird. But do you think it's weird from Evangeline's perspective? I'm really because I was trying to. I was hoping that reading it, I would get a better idea of whether or not she really loved him or if she felt just that connection of, to Amen still through. Yeah, him. and I think it's kind of ambiguous. Like I can't say for sure whether or not she. Like, I can't tell because she does seem to have some kind of attraction to him Mm -hmm. physically and like, um, like a romantic attraction. But like she's she also describes in great detail about like all the emotional labor Dalton helped all all the emotional labor Dalton provided when she was originally grieving. Right. Like He moved into their house. Right. They bought matching pajamas, which I thought was kind of cute. They play the piano all the time. Yeah. Making breakfast. He spent the night. And I think that's why Francis broke up with. Um. Well, okay. they break up many times. They, yeah, they do break up a few times. But they have like a big breakup over the fact that um Dalton has moved in and is like sort of stepping into that role. Yeah, she saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I feel like it could go either way. Yeah. So do you think? Okay. So, Amen. Several times, like his big thing is his mom, who he's lying to constantly, um, <laughs> keeps telling him that he should quit. Um, the police force because it's very dangerous and so he has like all these scenes where he's like okay kind of like these like deals with god thing like he's like okay if she if i'm gonna call evie if she tell if she asks me about my job then that's a sign and i'll just quit like just give me a sign just give me a sign and i'll quit i'll quit i'll quit um and so he kind of has this paranoia about his job and he pulls dalton aside a couple times and he's like yo dalton listen if anything ever happens to me i want you to take care of evangeline and my son and he's like and i'll do the same for you Uh, sure whatever you know but we all know (laughs) how this ends so what do you think amen would have said i don't know given that you know because i don't know because 
it's weird because like it's his wife but he's also dead so i don't know which one <laughs> takes precedence like yeah she's your wife but she's not dead that's true and that's your brother and if they're happy together so i, don't, I feel like i can't get in the mind of a married man that i can't get that far of into a, a dead married, married man, man. i <laughs> think i'd be married. fine with it i'd be like go on go forth but now that you pointed out, they both do that. They both like won't make a decision. They'll both be like, well, if this happens, then that's the move I'll make. Because Eamon does it then. He's like, if Evangeline asks me to quit, I'll quit. And then Dalton goes, well, if Francis doesn't get an abortion, abortion, I'll be a dad. And they're both just like, yeah, man. It's like, Whatever. I'm just going along, get along. Whatever happens, happens. You know, I'm good. Yeah. The only thing I won't do is tell my mama that. <laughs> she's raising her 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 husband's bastard oh god and then her like because his father was a cop too and her yeah. father wasn't really ha- and her mother wasn't really happy with her father being a cop either yeah she has like this tragic line where she's like you know i worried about him every single day and then the day he retired basically you took up <laughs> you became a cop so i never got like a single night of rest and, and then he happened. dies yeah. so it's kind of like you did that to your mama amen come on Knowing that made everything in Eamon's chapters, like, even sadder. Like, there's, like, yeah. one scene where he's driving around and he sees his ex-girlfriend and he's, like, covered in paint because he's painting his nursery and he's talking about how happy he is. And it's, like, and she's congratulating him. And it's, like, this is just going to come crashing down. Yeah. And it's about to get real depressing real fast. Yeah. Eamon's, like, a super happy dude. Like, he's <laughs> kind of shitty to that first girlfriend. Um, yeah. But then since then, he's like, you know, volunteering at the church. He's seeing the little sprouts. Like, he's just very, very cute, 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 cute. Um, so it, it is kind of like that that tragedy mark over his head. And it's just like, uh, you forget. I forget. I forgot for a little bit. I'm like, oh, yeah. The first sentence told me how this book is going to end. Uh-huh. And then if that, well, Evangeline's was already sad because I think hers is the only storyline that takes place after his death. Dalton and Dalton goes beyond his death, but it also starts before. It starts before, yeah. Yeah. But hers is only after. There was a quote, um, because the timing I thought was really tragic, and she sort of talks about, I did bookmark this one, ha. Um, she sort of describes, like, there was a very short window between when Eamon died and oh, Noah was born. Yeah. And um, so the quote is, the space between, there were 16 days between Eamon's death and Noah's birth, as if their spirits had spent those 16 days together in the sky, and Aries Boys Club somewhere I couldn't reach. Yeah. And I thought that was really sad. That was she pretty has, sad. Her prose is really good. Her I really prose like, is really great. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you spend 17 years. You get it right, girl. <laughs> working on it, you have time to tweak everything. Mm-hmm. Um. Can we, speaking of quotes, can we talk about the quote that sort of inspired the title of the book? Because I'm not yeah. sure if I... You know, that's right where my mind went. We're like on it right now. See, I mean, it's been a year and a half. We're, oh my, it's almost, we're almost at two years, Molly. <gasps> what? It just kind of hit August? me. In August? It also just kind of hit me that Juneteenth is this month. And once again. <laughs> once again. I'm, I'm nothing. You know, I was um, uh, in a situation and someone's, I think it was like May or... April or something and someone said does anyone know what next week is and another person yelled out Juneteenth and I was like no it's April (laughs) I was like congrats on knowing what Juneteenth is but it's in the name let's take that next step let's get there we're gonna make it happen we're gonna make Juneteenth happen I swear it's in the name and they're saying that in April girl 
Juneteenth. Girl. <laughs> that makes me really sad. We've got some work to do. But, um, so the title of the book comes from this quote, and I believe, so they, um, they're hanging, I'm trying to remember what set it up. They're hanging out at Eamon's house. Yes. So it's right after, I don't know what it's after. Where are they is going? Oh, they the, went out for dinner. Is this the strip poker scene or is this after like when he's calling Francis on the phone, he's all angry? I think it's, I think it's shortly before the strip poker scene. Okay. Cause yeah, it's right before the strip poker scene. And so they're um, toasting each other. And so the quote is, so as part of the quote, Eamon lifts his glass and he says, women, you are sleek and gorgeous. You hold us together. You are the ribbons. We're men dangerous. Only if you take us too seriously, we're the whiskey to whiskey and ribbons. Yeah. And so he lifts his glass and they all repeat to whiskey and ribbons. That and was so get, cute. I thought it was cute too. I'm just not sure if I get it entirely, but it's cute. I, I liked mean, it. It sounds like something somebody would say drunk. <laughs> and maybe I tend to overthink things. It's like when I read poetry and I keep trying uh, to find a deeper meaning and you're like, no, Daniel, I'll just read the damn words. So it could be that. Yeah. I do like the imagery though. Yeah, I like it. It's a cool imagery. Cool imagery, cool cover, cool name. And it sounds like this, like it's the, I'm sure someone who knows poetry likes it, the pentameter, like the beat. Mm. I like it. Whiskey and ribbons. It sounds neat. I like it. Oh, oh, so I just stumbled upon this. But speaking of our is Francis racist theory, Uh I stumbled upon another quote. So she says this to Dalton. You're a half white boy raised by a black family. So, of course, you know, hip hop piano covers. It's like your brand. I mean, I agree with Francis on that, but she didn't have to say it. And then Evangeline's like, do you like Dalton? Like at all? (laughs) Because sometimes I'm not so sure. I bet every single day Frances went home and she was just like, that bitch. (laughs) Honestly, it seems like it does because she does not seem to really She does not see it for for Evangeline. Evangeline. And And I I think, you know what? I get it. I get it. Evangeline seemed mm, just a little, mm, little annoying. But um, I think that she would just be so like, I'm trying to think of her as a real person. And I think like just her overall sweetness would like win you over. But um, I'm glad you brought this up. But go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, so at some point I found myself getting kind of annoyed of Evangeline. But then I realized I was only annoyed with her in Eamon's scenes. So I was like, I was like, am I annoyed with who she actually is? Or am I annoyed with like sort of the perfect person that uh, Eamon has that. sort of built her up as because in her chapters she's kind of like she's not terrible but she can be kind of like bitchy she um she keeps needling Dalton like she keeps asking him like so so who'd you sleep yeah with she's last? smoking she's drinking she's <laughs> yeah. kind of thinking about her son but she's more thinking about getting <laughs> that dick so that is that is a fair point that I had not considered because Eamon's scenes and I would say Dalton's scenes too she's kind of like built up as this like Almost like this pretty little bird or little doll, almost. They do like, call her a goose. Like, that's their lingo. Oh, yeah, the goose. <laughs> the goose. Um, but, but uh, yeah, so maybe maybe it was just the way that they viewed her that I was annoyed by. Yeah, because I was like, I don't like her. She's really annoying. But then we would get in her head and she wouldn't be as bad. Yeah, which is, you know, showing my, my own um, gender biases, so... Way to go, Lisa. You got me there. She did. It's great. <laughs> um, 
so I kind of liked, I was hoping there'd be more ballet. This is minor. I was hoping there'd oh, be more Oh, okay. Ballet. I knew you were going to talk about this, so I'm going to sit back and have some wine. You, you go ahead. Oh, she's a, it's not much because there's not a lot of ballet in the book, but Evangeline is a ballet dancer. And so they, she sort of describes like, I was mad because the narrator mispronounced some of the ballet moves. I'm like, that's fine. I think it was uh, a de Jean they mispronounced. Um, and so she, at the very beginning, that's like the most in-depth ballet talk we get. She like talks about doing some plies, some um, fouettes, some de Jeans. Sure. And it's, she sort of talks about how when they're courting, when she's courting Eamon, he comes to her performances and all that. Um, and one of her things she hopes to do after having Noah is to get her body back quickly and get back to teaching her little sprouts, which are her baby ballerinas. Um, I think that's sort of maybe fed into that whole perception about her being like just sort of a perfect little delicate thing. Cause like how many people do you know who are professionally ballerinas? Like nine. Yeah. So it's sort of a weird, like I, I only know, I mean, I guess I do take a ballet class, but they don't even really dance anymore. They teach, they don't perform. So I think that sort of played into the whole idea of her being this delicate, even though ballerinas are not delicate, they're kind of right. And I think it, beast. I think it plays off because there's a scene, there's two scenes that come to my mind when I think about this now that you have called out my biases. Um, <laughs> so there's a scene with Francis and it's, I think a Dalton chapter where he's like, Oh, she's the kind of girl who knows how to do everything. And that's like an interesting thing to say about someone. It's like she can deal blackjack. She can, yeah, all these kind of things that you're like, okay, that's interesting. And then, um, you know, he's looking at Evangeline and she's always sitting like with her feet under her, like very delicate. But then I think maybe it's a Evangeline chapter, maybe it's a Dalton. But when they actually look at her feet and they're all like tore up because she's a (laughs) ballerina. Yeah. So it kind of challenges that perspective that. You know, Francis is one type of girl and Evangeline is another type of girl. That they're just both like more complex than kind of the guys who are describing them or giving them credit for. Well, and now that you point that out, I didn't really examine Evangeline versus Francis too much, but I think that'd be really interesting. And I think the only thing that sort of has us at a disadvantage is we never got chapters from Francis's point of view. Yeah. Because it'd be really interesting to know, like, we're, we are, we think she probably might have had some race issues. We think she, she might not have been too serious about Dalton, but like, it would have been interesting to sort of get in her head. That's true. That is very true. When you said that she knows how to do everything, and I remember that moment happening in the book, it reminded me of, um, spoilers for Gone Girl, but it reminded me of that whole thing, um, Amy, I think that was her name, oh, the main character yeah, in that the book. the cool girl? Yeah, I said about being the cool girl. That's like so. one of my favorite, like, kind of more pulpy, but favorite scenes in a book where she's just like, when you first, like, hear Amy's voice in Gone Girl, and she's so fucking pissed off and she's like just railing against this like cool girl thing. And now whenever I see it like in a ladies magazine or whatever, I'm like, you tell him, Amy, do some bullshit. That book mess. And I have to go back and read it to see if like if I enjoy it as much now that I know everything. But I remember reading that book and it blowing my mind. Like, I think I read it like oh, twice yeah. back to back. Because <laughs> so I was like, what? And then I got mad every time some book would be like, it's the new Gone Girl. And I'm like, right. I've been trying. Have you read the other two books in her? No, I need to. I know Sharp Things is one. Sharp Objects Sharp and objects. Dark Places. Sharp Objects are making into a TV show. I think it's really good. Like, I think it's uh, 
Uh, and okay, so this lady is from Kansas City, so. But she writes about Missouri. It's like a real Missouri gothic that I really love. Yeah, that's um, right. The movie takes place, I think, in like, it's supposed to take place in like, what, Cape? Cape Girardeau? Yeah. I think, I think so. They, yeah. And I think in the book, it's like a suburb of St. Louis. And then Dark Places takes place in Kansas City. In the first scene, they're describing a house that looks very much like the house that I grew up in, where, spoiler alert, everybody's murdered. So I was like, hmm. I'm sorry, that's a diversion. No, that's okay. But yeah, like when as soon as you said that, I was like, I remember that happening. And I remember feeling like that same cool girl moment when I read it in um, yeah. Gone Girl. Yeah, I could see that a lot. Like that whole kind of like, well, she's tough. She could take care of herself. She could do everything. And it's like maybe, you know, if we had heard her perspective, I, you know, I still think she's a racist. So I'm not super <laughs> interested in it. But maybe some of the faults and issues that I had with her wouldn't have been as apparent if I was hearing her described by anyone other than Dalton, who, as Evangeline says, I don't think liked her that much. Yeah. It's sort of because at one point he's thinking about asking her to marry him. Yeah. And then I think I can't remember what exactly changes his mind. See, this is why we didn't get that podcasting award. But um, something <laughs> changes his mind and he returns the ring. And I think when she finds out because he dumb dumb tells her yeah i feel like never tell someone you were thinking about me but he tells everybody it's just gonna cause problems for you (laughs) like like, i was thinking about marrying you but then i was like nah what's somebody supposed to say to that like right "Eh?" it's like okay cool let's go let's go to chili's yeah nobody's gonna be happy about that (laughs) so they have a one of their many blow-ups and it's like it's just another situation where he's like i think he wants and it goes back. He wants what his brother has. Yeah. But he does not have the person. He does not have that person who he feels like he should have it with. And he's not the person that Eamon is. Right. I will say, yeah, Eamon is much more sure of himself as Well, Eamon had a daddy. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Eamon <laughs> had a daddy who loved him. And a mama. He knew who he was. So. That's true. Well, like, the more we dig into it, I'm like, wow. She did such a good job. She did. Like, there are layers to this that I didn't didn't think about until I was, like, talking about it, you know? Yeah. I think that multiple POV, because sometimes I hate when people do it. Not, again, to harp on Children of Blood and Bone, but it's like, if you're going to do it... It's got to be, be a, tight. Right, and there should be a purpose to it. Yep. Like, why are we hearing from this character if this character could tell us the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. So, I really liked it. I'm trying to see if there's anything on my notes. Oh, one weird thing I noticed, and I was like, should I tweet her about this? The Audible had lines that were, like, different uh, than the print. And in some instances, they weren't even in the Audible. Like, for example, oh, I did bookmark this one. Let me see. There was, um, go, jump, Kendall, jump. There's a scene where he's talking to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And um, so... Detroit is a employee who works with Dalton in his shop, bike shop. And so he sort of forms this connection with Detroit and um, the fact that both of them, their fathers walked down on them. Mm-hmm. And so I was listening to the audible version. And as I was reading it, there's one sentence that got, it's not even that big of a sentence. It was just talking about, I mean, it, okay. The sentence is Detroit had told me about his dad walking out on him, his mom and his sister when he was five. And so like, it's not a big, powerful sentence, but it is, a fact like you need that to under like that's an important fact to know about this character right and it's not in the recording oh interesting it was really weird and there were a couple places where it differed a bit so that's why i really doubled down on listening and reading because i was like where else did they do this Mm. so it was just kind of weird 
I've never had that happen in an Audible before. Yeah, I don't know. I only listened to the Audible. You saw what traffic is like out here. Yes, I did. That was <laughs> terrible. I've been listening to Audibles of the Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, and those are great. It? Yeah. Those are great. Like, I feel like that's the perfect thing because the narrator's really good and there's mm-hmm. a lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. So I think that was one. If it's something like this where it's a lot of like prose and sort of introspective examination. You get lost. Yeah, I want to read it. But that yeah. one, because it's mainly crazy. The Crazy Rich Asian series is mainly fluff. Uh-huh. And it's a lot of dialogue. So, yeah, it's been fun. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I'm going to go through the notes. But, yeah, she was. Se- I can't get over 17 years. She started this book when I was a freshman in high school. Right? Like. <laughs> I mean, good on her. That is, like. That's, that's dedication. Dedication and, like, just. I don't know, just a real dedication to your craft and understanding what you want out of life, too. Like, uh, I know there's so much pressure to be like, oh, 30 under 30 or, you know, Wonderkin or something. But just to take your time with something. And it shows it shows that she took her time. Like, the more I think about this book, the more I'm like, this shit has layers. Yeah. Like, as we talk about it and like the different characters, it really made me think about how deep some of the stuff is. Mm hmm. Like, I was saying off the top of my head that Dalton is lost, but, like, yeah, he really is. <laughs> He's a lost character. Um, I'm trying to think. I think we got... I like the fact that this was published... I usually don't look into publishers that often, mm-hmm. but this was published by Hub City Press, and apparently their whole thing is highlighting, like, Southern stories. Really? And do Southern... we follow them? Why do I know that name? We... I remember when we first started the Twitter, I went on this, like, following binge, so uh-huh. we may... Um, and I think she prop we do follow her and she may have retweeted them. Okay. Let me see. I'm going on their Twitter account. So we don't follow them, it looks like, but we should. But um I've seen that name somewhere. Oh she so I'm on their Twitter and she's showing the cover of the German translation of Whiskey and Ribbons. I will no. retweet it. I will share in the She in is the just chat. so cute on Twitter. Like she's so cute. I think out of all the authors that we've had, like, and we've had, like, really good interactions with some of the authors. Like, okay, I swear to God, when I, like, yelled out, Leone, get some goddamn Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? Liked it? And I was like, girl, you got awards, though. You don't You're have to be listening. Time. You won two of them. You don't have to be listening to my balls. No, go enjoy your awards. Um, but I really feel like, you know, as we grow, a lot of the authors have just been showing us a lot of love. And Lisa, from like almost the second that someone said, can you weed risk whiskey and ribbon? She's been just so adorable and so humble. Like, oh, if you do, that would be so great. That would be, I know. that'd be cool. I'd really yeah. like that. It was like, oh, you're so cute. Yeah. She's like, she liked it. So it's just been, I mean, we're pretty easy to please. Like, Right. <laughs> You show us a lick of attention. We'll be like, I love them. Like, I love, I love them. I love like, them. Like Alyssa Cole and um, oh, Jasmine Alyssa Ward. Cole, Jasmine yeah. Ward. Oh, almost all the um, uh, oh, uh, oh, the poetry book. Morgan Jerkins. She was probably the first one I. No, not, not Morgan, Morgan Jerkins. Jerkins. Morgan uh, Parker. Morgan Parker. Where she was like, "Girl, I wrote this for you." I was like, "Yes." I love it. I think that was the first like author who maybe retweeted us on like. To their followers right i was doing so. that stripper clap danielle 
So. So, yes. So, I don't even know how we got on this. Oh, I was looking at their publisher. Uh So, yes, it's a publisher that highlights, like, it's smaller and it highlights, I think it's smaller. It's not-for-profit. I don't think there are a lot of not-for-profit presses. But um, new and established authors with an emphasis on the Southern experience. So, and I could say this book felt very Southern. Like, if this book took place in New York, I feel like it'd be an entirely different book. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like the languid, like, the slow, like, crawl of it would be different. Mm Mm-hmm. That, again, that could just be me stereotyping. I just feel like things in the South are a little slower. <laughs> Not in a bad way. Just like, yeah. So I think reading this book sort of made me realize I always... Not that I don't like literary fiction, but I always say, like, I don't like that slow, character-driven literary fiction, but I think I do. Because, like, I read... <laughs> I was like, because I read this, and I read Little Flowers Everywhere, and I'm like, uh-huh. I love this. Did you like, like it? I, I like Little Fires Everywhere. Days recommending it to me, and I'm like, mmm them credits though maybe i'll get it then what do you mean them oh audible yeah i liked it i haven't listened to the audio audio version do you use overdrive or i do yeah because they have a lot of audiobooks and that's how i've been saving some credits yeah go find it there it's oh it's so hard like you could be like 28th on the list though yeah if it's too popular and i'm extremely fickle by the time i get some of these i'm like on to the next thing (laughs) i know it's bad but yeah, I liked this didn't it's nothing to do plot wise with little fires everywhere, but the same way it's like sort of um what's the word? Structured, I guess. Mm. Like it has that same feel. It's all about the characters. There is a plot, but it's not at the forefront of the story. Mm. And it's really about how the characters interact. Okay. All right. So you know Little Fires Everywhere is being made into a TV series. Oh really? I think Reese Witherspoon oh, really? bought the rights and she's gonna and they're gonna adapt it. And I don't remember mm. who I thought they had, hold on, Little Fires Everywhere TV show. Because I thought they had had an, okay, so it's Hulu. So it's going to be on Hulu. And uh, what's her name? Carrie Washington is also working on it. So I think we discussed this. Reese Witherspoon has like a surprisingly like really well, like a really popular book club. Mm -hmm. So I think the last time we talked about her, though, she was a giant head of lettuce. She was. So... Can I tell you, my dad has been making greens for my mom. Oh, that's sweet. He learned how to make them, and now he makes them often. Oh, that's sweet. Go Molly's dad. You make them greens. He said, I put a little, what does he put in a little vinegar in it? Yeah, that's how you do it. I'm like, there you go. And he says, I don't, I don't use the fat back. I use the turkey leg. I'm like, all right, daddy. <laughs> all right, look at you. Italian man from Brooklyn. You ever thought that you'd be making greens? Look here, you are. <laughs> Look here, you Life are. is a journey. <laughs> Life is a journey. That's love. You know, whiskey ribbons, love, getting married, love. I'm all in love right now. Aw, that's sweet. I'm not, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm like here. I'm hoping, but yeah. You will be. We're going to get Aww. you. We're going to get you tipsy at this wedding and find you a boo. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Molly with a Y. Like, she mm-hmm. was trying to mesh me up with her cousins. I'm like, that's super sweet of you. <laughs> but, like, all your cousins. Well, like, the one big deal breaker for one of them was that I don't drink beer. And I was like, okay. It's like, well, I... if we can't get past that, then. <laughs> he never said that directly, but, like, apparently he really is into beer. And I was like, well, I'm not. I did tell you about the NFL guy, right? Or the Cowboys? No. Cowboys. Oh, yes, yes, you did. Yeah, you did, he you did. dropped me when he hurt when I was not jumping to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. And uh, I was like, you might have dodged a bullet there. I'm sure I did, but I'm still like, really? You're 31 years old? 
Like I have a lot of weird ass interests. I don't expect whoever I mar- date or marry to be into them. I get right, it. right. Frank has many interests that I don't share, <laughs> but I love life. him deeply. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 what humans are. That's what people are. You right. find yeah. So I did want to say because looking on the Goodreads page reminded me of something. This book reminded me of an American Marriage. Mm, okay. Because I, I don't know. If, have you read that one? I have not. Um, so in American Marriage, it's sort of a similar, not similar, it's not similar at all in the plot, but it's sort of, <laughs> I'm getting there. Basically what happens in American Marriage, there's a couple, and I, oh, their names are gone. Roy, hold on, in, I will edit this out. This is the there's, one where um, he goes to prison and comes back? Yes, he's um, sent to prison on false charges, and so Celestial and Roy, they're married, and I think it's like very early in their marriage, he is sent away for 12 years. But then after five years, the marriage is overturned and he comes back and it's like, what is their marriage? Do they even still have a marriage? They're both like in different places and they're different people. And it sort of reminded me of that. Love after lockdown. (laughs) That's one way to put it. But I would think just the setup on like how you have like these three people Uh, in a relationship that has changed so like very drastically, like a drastic change. One is death and then one is prison and then how they sort of form new relationships with that yeah yeah i kind of liked it better in whiskey and ribbons oh yeah mainly because i think roy in an american marriage is like a tool not a tool he's he's an asshole i think like wait what's the difference uh he's meaner about it i feel like a tool is sort of like kind of douchey okay and like they're kind of opportunistic i think roy is just kind of an asshole <laughs> And I may need to read it again. Maybe uh-huh. I'm being unsympathetic to a man who got <laughs> who put spent away. five years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. But I thought he was an asshole. She did it. I think he's supposed to be an asshole. Uh-huh. Like, I'm not saying that as a critique of the writing. I think uh-huh. she, he's supposed to be kind of selfish and kind of a dick. But I didn't appreciate it. So That's fair. So, yeah, I thought they had a lot of similarities. So Okay. All right. I got a lot of things that I got to put on my my to be read list after um after this wedding y'all my my end of year wrap up is going to be shameful but you know what i gotta do me how are you doing on your total count uh poorly (laughs) i asked that on twitter and like everyone's like why you gotta bring that up i was like like, why you gotta bring that up i will say i've written total pages about a thousand pages this year (gasps) I'm proud of you. I haven't written a damn thing. I just keep thinking I need to. I'm proud of you. That's impressive. Have you got like a draft or a manuscript or are you just sort of writing short pieces and different pieces? No, I have a draft. Oh, look at you. 2018 is a big year for you. Second edits. It's helping me with, um, uh, you know, wedding stress, just regular life stress. I'm like, "Mm, let me create a whole different world where I can just, (laughs) I can just ignore all of this escape to it's like "Mm, North Korea. Mm, drafts. Oh God. I'm going to get me one of them coins though. What those ones from the fake, like, I'm like, why are we making swag for this? I was so making swag saying, dear, I I didn't, I was like, I don't need this. Um, but yeah, I think it sounds like we're wrapping up from the book, but I think overall mm-hmm. we recommend. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's probably the most literary thing I've read in a while. <laughs> I am looking at my TBR or at my uh, my Goodreads challenge. And the fact that I listed those uh, 
pig elephant and piggy books is girl you better do you not a good sign as to where my uh goodreads <laughs> challenge is going everyone said it counted so it did count i read two of them so i'm like well i mean i can't be i can't be choosy at this point <laughs> beggars can't be choosers so yeah it was definitely the most literary thing i've read in a while so yeah i say high recommend go for it it's six currently six dollars on kindle oh that's good you so got all take the advantage deals, of that girl. sale right yeah yeah so that's it i think this is the part where we move into what we have been reading yeah uh you want to go first Sure. Let me get my, I have my Goodreads up. So beyond the children's (laughs) books, um, which I recommend, those are great children's books. Um, So I think I said I read Children of Blood and Bone, Mm -hmm. which I, okay. So you know how I feel about YA Mm -hmm. and I said, I'm not reading it anymore, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to read this one, like quote unquote for the culture. I feel like we've been down this road before, Danielle. It happens all the time. (laughs) I want to support authors. And so I get it and I read it. And I don't know what it is. My expectations are too high. And I'm like, this was just okay. It's just like, it's not, not terrible. for you. It's just not for you. It's not for me. And it's like, but I want to support. So I buy it and read it. And then I'm like, why did I do that? I had it on Audible at first. And I had to put that right back. That narrator is doing this West African accent. She sounds like Miss Chloe. I uh, no. Cleo. I'm like, why? Cleo. Yeah. I'm like, why didn't you just hire a West African narrator or an African narrator? Like, just hire someone from the continent. <laughs> To read it, because I had to, I couldn't do it. Um, it's basically Black Avatar: The Last Airbender. I love it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I I got a very strong like picture in my mind of what that could look like, and I just went with it in my imagination. So I'm just gonna be quiet and let you finish now. I mean, it's cool, but I think like it could have been. I think it was a little rushed. I think it falls into this YA habit of like plot, 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 just do everything. Never take a moment to sit and settle and deal with the consequences. Mm. Like they go from being on like a death boat race to being in a um, a battle where somebody's nearly murdered. Like it's always constantly moving and the characters never really get a chance to like sit and say like, or even deal with the consequences of what they just experienced. And I feel like YA does that a lot. And that's probably my problem with it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just constantly moving. But it is, I could see why, like, 17-year-old me probably would have loved it. Mm-hmm. Old-ass me is like, okay. Can oh, I okay. say, um, Spotify, who didn't give us that award, <laughs> I want to tell you how great of a co-host I am right now. Because Danielle just said death boat race. And I didn't want to do anything but ask her a million questions about what that meant. But you know what? You know what? I let her finish Spotify. <laughs> Basically, they're on boats and they have to like fight to the death. There's really no what? race. Race is probably inaccurate. I love that. They're just fighting to the death on water. On boats. On boats. And I love that. magic gets involved at one point. I should read this book. You probably should, because I don't like I don't know if you feel the way I do about YA and you might enjoy it. Like you know I can't get past it, <laughs> but you might enjoy it. And you can, when you read it, you can get the avatar. Like you see the avatar influences. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's like wow. Oh really? So, so it was very overt. It's pretty because like there are characters who you can kind of tell are inspired by characters from the show. Like interesting. Oh, yeah, like oh you're you're the Zuko, and like oh you're the Katara. So like you can kind of sense that, and it has that whole sort of like vibe that the first season did where they like sort of had to go to the North Pole to uh, help what's his name train. 
So it's sort of like we're also on this journey because we have to do this mission before this. Um, I think it's like a summer. It might be a, a solstice. It might be a summer solstice. Yeah. Interesting. So I want to rewatch that show. I love that show. That I is love a quality that show. show. But yeah, so I mean, it's not terrible. It's just like, I feel like all the stuff, the stuff in the one book could have been stretched out to three books. Mm. So, but that's fine. Um, I think I also read, I finished the second Crazy Rich Asians book, China Rich Girlfriend. I read that because despite staying up late, the Friday of your bachelorette party, my body was still like, central time. (laughs) Oh, so you stayed up. Well, no, because like I went to sleep right away, but then like five uh, o'clock came and my body was like, time to get up because it would be seven or eight at home. I see. And like, I could not get back to sleep. I was like, no, go back to sleep. You have at least three more hours of sleep you can get. And it was like, no. So I just slept <laughs> and I started checking out Twitter and I finished China Rich Girlfriend. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it wasn't as good as the first one, mm-hmm. but I'm going to read the third one anyway. And I think, and then I read the Elephant and Piggy books. I love it. Which are cute. Those are some cute books. Um, that's it for me. I'm currently working on the third China or Crazy Rich Asians, uh, Rich People Problems. You and all over movie. the place. I love it. Yeah. And they have a movie coming out in August. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So what about you? What have you been reading? So I read about half of Pet Cemetery for some reason. <laughs> That's the one, well, not the one, but that's one Stephen King book. I feel like, yeah, I'm not really. Is it as supernatural as I think? It is not. It is it isn't? super sad. Oh, I thought it was really like, like, isn't it basically like zombies? It is. I am very far into it and the zombies <laughs> have not shown up. It is just a very upsetting meditation on mortality. I think, is that the one... Where the little boy, I remember yeah, the some little Stephen boy. King book. Yeah, uh-huh. and he's like chasing a balloon. Because uh. I remember the movie, the little boy is chasing a balloon and the dad's running after him. And to this day, I get mad because I'm like, why can't a grown man outrun a toddler? <laughs> I remember when the movie came out and like all the cool kids in my middle school class were like going to stay up and watch it. But I was too scared, so I didn't. Oh. Um, but I, I have a feeling that the made-for-TV movie is probably much scarier and much gorier than the book, which is just literally just a very thoughtful meditation on what it means that everyone passes away. Huh. I'm going to have to look into that. It's it, it was not what I was expecting because, like, he starts off, he's like, uh, you know how... Like Stephen King always starts off with like some really long explanation or forward of what was going on in his life, and it's always exactly what happens in the book. Yes. So I read oh, this. The, was, uh-huh. was this around his accident? No, actually, oh. um, it was when him and his family moved to a house on a very busy street. Oh. Ah, which okay. is exactly what happens in the book. So. Um, yeah, he's saying all this stuff and he said like, oh, I feel like for me, this is the scariest book that I wrote. I was like, oh shit. Okay. I'm going to be scared. Cause I read it last year and there was a period where I was sitting on my couch, like reading it. And I remember I, I, and I've never, ever felt this way about a book before. I got so freaked out that I had to put the book down and turn on all the lights. Like I was just that freaked out by it. So I was like, okay, oh, fuck, we're going to, like, do this, like, get ready, Molly, like, all this stuff's going on, but you're going to have, like, a 
a good horror moment. Like I've been getting very into horror. So I was like, oh man, you're just going to have this moment. And no, I think he thinks it's sad because he was like thinking about how sad he would be if his children died. Yeah, that's wild. Well, because like I've never, I think some of them are creepy, but I've never been like really horrified Mm -hmm. by any of Stephen King's books. But I idea that, and I've kind of been afraid to read it just because it's so big. But if that, you're not the first person I've heard who said that, which makes me think that it must be, it must be the big creepy one. Fucking wild. (laughs) It has some (laughs) wild moments. Like when the last movie came out, we watched the made for TV moment and I was like, hmm. So they took out that, uh, the clan burning down that, uh, that hoedown, huh? They took out that big bird that just kept screaming and ripping children apart, huh? Okay. They took out the orgy. I was I heard pro about that. that. I was like, do I want to read this book? Why is this even a thing? I was pro taking out that orgy, which, um, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I said this before a podcast that you turned me on to, uh, we hate movies. Yes. And they keep they reviewed maybe um, Maximum Overdrive, which I also for some reason watched in the past year. But they kept saying um, a term that I think about often now: clickety clack cocaine. And just they did say that. That's my <laughs> clickety clack cocaine. So now, whenever anything weird happens in a Stephen King book, I just think clickety clack cocaine. <laughs> I have to figure out where he was in his addiction when he was writing the. The Dark Tower series. Oh, because I'm working my way through those, and they get there's some images that have stuck with me from that man. Right, it's like he'll be riding, you know, riding along, and it's like he's got good imagery or something, and then it's just something so like freaking upsetting. I'm like, <sighs> okay, all right, I'm gonna go home and watch SpongeBob or something. Try to burn <laughs> that out of my memory. So that's Did- that's that's all I've read with all the stuff going on. Um, I was like, let me just do that pure escapism again. Just a freaky horror book that's easy to, I've been listening to it, easy to listen to on this freakishly long commute. Speaking of Stephen King, so I follow one of our readers, Arlene, on Goodreads. Mm -hmm. And she tweeted, I guess, because you can, if you highlight things in Kindle, you can share them. And one of the um, quotes she did was from Stephen King's new book, The Outsider. Mm. And the quote was, Black Lives Matter, their parents had instructed them, but not always to 5-0. And I didn't know Stephen King was getting radical like that. Okay, girl, follow him on Twitter. I know. I mean, I All this that. motherfucker does is talk about how much he hates Trump and how much, like, they need to bring these children home that are missed. Like, he is like your drunk uncle on Twitter. <laughs> I knew that, but I didn't know it was like, because apparently she said he also dedicated one of his books to Sandra Bland. Oh, really? And like, I didn't know it was like, I mean, you know, he was rolling the deep like that. Well, yeah, yelling at Trump on Twitter is what all the cool kids are doing. True. But like, yeah, I didn't know. So I was like kind of impressed to see that. I do kind of want to read The Outsider. The cover art alone looks super creepy. (sighs) I heard that it's like the bad guy is Trump. And I'm like, hmm. Oh, is it? Man. I don't know. I'm still living through that. I gotta be in a post-Trump America. I gotta gotta make sure we get through this okay before I start. (laughs) Yeah. You know? So, hmm. But yeah, that's a lot. I think that's a lot of bookish news. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. I'm currently reading. I just, like, literally just started. I want to make sure I pronounce it right. Barracoon? Um, The story. Oh, uh, Zora Neale Hurston's. Yeah, the story of the last black cargo. So yeah. it's like, How and I'm kind of, I just started, and I'm kind of disappointing because once you get past the like 
forward uh-huh. and then the appendix describing like in the notes it looks like his story is only about 90 pages oh so like they have this whole published book but the real meat of it is like maybe about a third oh. if even that of the book interesting so it's like oh, i probably not would have bought it right off but yeah i was i just wanted to read it so like i got it hmm. but yeah so i'll let you know when i get further along i like literally just started it so i can't say much Okay. But uh, yeah, I can't say that the majority of the book is not like it has multiple like indexes and appendices. And I guess they're from her notes. But oh, when she was doing the what was it? WPA like from those notes or when she was like writing? Well, it's like it's notes about like um, dates, family trees. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's like I mean, it's important and it's interesting, but it's not like it's not that voice and that right story structure and that. Right. spin that she put on things that, pe- that I really love so it's yeah. more the notes I could see that yeah so I was like heads up okay. but I'll, I'll finish it it'll probably be interesting so I, I think I think that's we- everything except which um, like scrolling down your beautiful outline and it said um, <laughs> and bonus episode question, the bonus question. <laughs> blank <laughs> I'll let you pick I just like I came up with three I'll let you pick one um, I am partial to three just because I think people are most excited to talk about. Yeah, things I like that one. To. But it also feels kind of repetitive. But like, who's going to judge us? I like that one. Okay, so because we got this... we got a lot of new followers over the past month. Yeah, and I liked, and I think that was a good question. We got a lot of interaction when we asked that question. Yeah, so, so this will be new to you if yes. you're new to us. If and you've been good... with us, you know, since the beginning, I apologize, but. <laughs> Hey, a lot of the time um, when we asked this question last, a lot of you said whiskey and ribbons, and that was a great recommendation. It was. It was very productive. So earlier this year, we asked you what upcoming release you were most looking forward to. And so now we're in the second half of the year. So maybe there's some new releases you didn't know about yet. So we want to know what are you most excited about for the second half of the year? What new release are you most looking forward to mm-hmm. as we enter the end of 2018? When is like, you know how TV has like sweeps weeks and mm-hmm. like, Movies have like the award seasons when mm-hmm. all the, like the people trying to get an Oscar put out. Is that a similar time for like books? I think it is. I think I've like read like sh- about like when it is around, but I couldn't tell you because I buy books around payday. So <laughs> I'm constantly, and it feels like there's always something really good coming out every month. So like if there's a noticeable like, oh, the really big thing is coming out, and like no, I bet you it's probably. I think it's probably. I feel like Christmas it's in the fall. Time. Oh, fall. That's what I think, because it feels like it's like as people, well, fall or winter, as people ramp up for like the holidays. Yeah, that's what I think. That kind of like November, December. December. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to ask for for Christmas this year. I was like, don't get me stuff because I'm still conmaring my house and like I have too much junk. I kind of I'm probably going to ask for a subscription to Book of the Month. So, hey, if you have any experience with Book of the Month and you'd like to share, I'd love to hear it because maybe I shouldn't. So. It's like the only, it's like the on, one of the only adult books subscription boxes I've found. <laughs> so, I think that's it. I though. think that's it. Um, so, so guys, you can follow us on Twitter and tell us which upcoming release you're most looking forward to. Our handle is at Black Chick Lit. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at BCL Podcast, and you can visit us at blackchicklit.com. 
Yep. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, you can send them to contact at blackchicklit.com. Um, we also ask that you rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes and I guess it's Apple Podcast now, but <laughs> iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play because your reviews help other people find us. Yeah. And we, as always, want to thank Sweet 45 for use of their theme for our theme song. The song <laughs> is called Jones In. You can find them on SoundCloud at um, soundcloud.com forward slash Sweet 45. Whoop. And that's it. That's we it, guys. It. We will be back. Um, I think we could get back in two weeks now that um, we don't have I think, to yeah. read and we don't have a bachelorette party. And, right. you know, knock on wood, no one's going to be in the hospital. Knock on wood, yeah. So I'll survive the plane. You will have a good time in Madrid. I'm serious. Go down in the tunnels and get um, a, a waffle covered in chocolate. It will change your life. Ooh, thank you for the food because I found like this red berry chocolate mm-hmm. we had someone go to spain and bring it back and i cannot find it anywhere in the u.s so my plan is to go get as much as i can get some chocolate i don't know if you eat back. pork i got off the pork but they got That's what she said yeah they got good ham in spain so i didn't know you were <laughs> off pork completely it's been this is completely off topic but a year and a half wow i didn't know it was that long i thought it was just in time like for the wedding mm-hmm Look at that. I've been trying to quit sugar for a year and considering <laughs> I just told you all I'm going to Spain to get this chocolate. To it's not specifically going well. to buy chocolate. Yeah. So yeah, exactly we well. all got our things. Yeah. So. All right. Hope you all are having an awesome summer. Yes. And, and until next time. Until bye. next time. Bye, guys.